Yesterday afternoon, Ohio State head coach Ryan Day named junior Kyle McCord the Buckeyes starter at quarterback after a long, drawn-out battle that had taken place since spring ball with redshirt freshman quarterback Devin Brown. This will be Kyle McCord's first, well actually second, career start. His first career start was against Akron in 2021 when C.J. Stroud was rested. This will be his first career start, though, as the long-term number one quarterback. At least that's how Ryan Day plans this season will go. If McCord gets injured and is out for the rest of the year, or he has a few bad performances, I have no doubt that Devin Brown will substitute in as quarterback number one for Kyle McCord. But Kyle McCord's first game as the number one guy for Ohio State football and the number one quarterback for the whole season will be on the road in Big Ten play against Indiana, who traditionally has had a stingy defense under Tom Allen. However, these programs could not be further from each other. Ohio State last year went 11-2. 11-0, entering the game, losing the game against Michigan, 23-45, in a beatdown, but a beatdown that was competitive for three quarters. After falling to Michigan and going 11-1, 8-1 in the Big Ten in the regular season, Ohio State watched and waited as USC got blown out by Utah and as TCU lost in overtime to Kansas State. Only one of those losses, preferably USC, was needed for Ohio State to sneak into the college football playoff. And the two teams that needed to lose lost, and Ohio State went to the playoff, and they nearly beat Georgia, leading Georgia, and in my mind, dominating Georgia, controlling the game for three quarters before Georgia's defense woke up and Georgia's superior depth, especially at safety, was noticeable, extremely noticeable. And Georgia outscored Ohio State in the fourth quarter and won 42-41. to Several teams had miscues. However, at the end of the day, Georgia was the mentally tougher, deeper roster. And that's why they won in the Peach Bowl by a single point. If Noah Ruggles makes that field goal, or Stetson Bennett throws another interception, the perception about Ohio State this season would be different. Even with a 22-point loss to Michigan at home, a lot of that would be forgiven if Ohio State's record last year was 13-1 with a national title blowout victory over TCU and a win over the one-seed Georgia, as opposed to 11-2 and allowing a combined 87 points in the final two games and going 0-2 against the two toughest teams that Ohio State played all season long. The urgency for Ohio State to come out and not just dominate this game, but dominate against Youngstown State the following week, go on the road and thrash Notre Dame, crush Penn State at home, go on the road and beat Luke Fickle in Wisconsin, and travel up to Ann Arbor and beat Michigan. The urgency for Ohio State to put together a season that is the best Ohio State season since 2019, that level is through the roof. 
The steam is trying to escape the valve. Ohio State is a motivated and frustrated team. They have new pieces, but they also have plenty of experience, which we will talk about throughout this video. The Indiana Hoosiers, meanwhile, the only commonality with Ohio State that they have is the urgency. Tom Allen is 6-18, and 6-18, and 18, only winning one-fourth of his games over the past two seasons. 6-18. and 18. I, I can't even believe that. After the success that he had in 2019 and 2020, someone who was once viewed as the Big Ten's rising star is now the head coach most likely to be fired after 2023. Indiana used the transfer portal tremendously this preseason, and they had to, because newsflash, Indiana went 4-8 and eight last year. 4-8. and eight. Their biggest win was on the road against Michigan State, which to a certain degree was a fluke win anyway, as Michigan State missed multiple field goals and had miscues all around on defense, special teams, and offense. And Michigan State was bad last year, and they played even worse than the typical bad that they played in 2022. Indiana also had a shocking win against Illinois to start off the year. And Illinois, after that game, won seven straight and at some point was in the top 15 and looked like a lock to win the West before losing to Michigan State, Purdue, and Michigan. And then Illinois, I think, beat Idaho and Western Kentucky, but they lost to everyone else, getting blown out by Penn State, blown out by Ohio State, losing to Michigan in a more competitive game, but surrendering seven sacks, and losing to Rutgers, Maryland, any opponent imaginable outside of the four that I mentioned. Their roster was a disaster. Connor Basilak transferred out to Bowling Green, and Indiana brought in 23 incoming transfers, and they had 23 outgoing transfers. Taven Jackson is going to be the starting quarterback for Indiana. He's transferring in from Tennessee. Some other players to look out for are Marcus Burris Jr., a defensive lineman from Texas A&M. Andre Carter, a future NFL defensive lineman from Western Michigan, transferred in. Dequise Carter transferred into Indiana, rated as a four-star by 24-7 Sports. And other players as well. This roster is going to have a new look to it. So urgency for both programs, but obviously coming off of completely different seasons, which just shows that the expectations at these different schools and the talent level and the potential is radically different. Before we continue this video, please subscribe to the channel and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I release new college football content. Also, like this video so we can get this video into the algorithm and gain more Ohio State and Indiana subscribers and also more Big Ten and college football subscribers and grow our community. We're trying to reach 20,000 subscribers by the end of the 2023 college football season. Let's talk about the matchup. As I've stated earlier, Ohio State's coming off of an 11-2 season. Indiana, meanwhile, coming off of a 4-8 and eight year and that team was just toxic. I mean, they had no business beating Illinois. They had no business beating Michigan State, and they did. Which means, in my mind, that Tom Allen and his team still have some fight in them. But you can't only have motivation 
and fight to win football games. Tom Allen's a great motivator. Total players coach. Knows how to how to get them playing and they don't quit. However, they are closer to talentless than they are to having the talent that Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State do. They're ranked 69th in ESPN's FPI. I don't even remember what they're ranked in my potential power index, but despite the fact that my potential power index sadly doesn't deal with group of five schools yet, which is why I don't feature it in videos, Indiana is outside of the top 50, which means they are definitely in the lower, I'd say like lower quarter for sure, if not the lower eighth of all power five schools. Ohio State is first in ESPN's FPI, and by quite a mile, they're first. The next closest team, according to FPI, is Alabama, and Ohio State would have, Ohio State would beat Alabama, according to ESPN, by about three points on a neutral site, and they would beat Georgia by about five points on a neutral site. The Buckeyes, according to FPI, would also theoretically beat Michigan by 11 on a neutral site. I think ESPN is wacky, of course. I think that Michigan is underrated, and I also think that Georgia should be ahead of Alabama. I think Georgia is underrated even in ESPN's FPI, along with Michigan. But I think that it is wise to be higher on Ohio State than most people are this year. They're number one in football power index, and Ohio State's number two in my power rankings, the potential power index. They're neck and neck with Michigan, slightly ahead of Georgia, and Michigan is slightly ahead of Ohio State. Those three teams, in my mind, are the elite teams this season. With Alabama, because they have Nick Saban and with their talent, they, of course, could jump into that elite category. But I think this year it's going to be Michigan, Ohio State, and Georgia. I have them ranked in that order, U of M at 1, Ohio State at 2, and the Dogs at 3, but I think there's a solid argument for any of those teams to be 1, 2, or 3, and then I think there's a sizable drop-off after that. The game will be played in Memorial Stadium, and the Ohio State-Indiana matchup will be on CBS this Saturday at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Buckeyes went to the college football playoff last year. They're given a 97.1% chance to win, and the line currently is Ohio State minus 30. They're favored to beat Indiana by more than four touchdowns in their first game. First game is a Big Ten conference game on the road with a new quarterback. But if you pay attention to Big Ten football and college football, you know Indiana is terrible you know that Ohio State is cream of the crop, one of the best programs in all of college football, and theoretically and on paper, Ohio State should go into this game and blow Indiana out of the water, just destroy them, and, and potentially sink the battleship of the program, because Tom Allen is on the hot seat here, and that's something that you can't say for a lot of Big Ten head coaches. Pat Fitzgerald was fired this summer. And David Braun's the interim, so no hot seat talk there. Greg Schiano could be on the hot seat, I'd say, depending on how this season goes, but I think he's safe from being fired this year. And that would be the closest, in my mind, that I would, the next closest coach to being on the hot seat, in my mind. Mel Tucker as well at Michigan State, but I think this year he's safe and 2024 is really the year that will determine the status of his job if he has another poor year, 
which I don't think he will. I think Michigan State's going to hit the over on their win total, and Mel Tucker will improve, and he'll be safe from a job security standpoint. Pretty safe, in fact, entering 2024. I think the Spartans are underrated this season. Is Indiana underrated this season, though? Are they? Well, I think that Ohio State, from a position standpoint, has a massive advantage over the Hoosiers. Special teams is close. Linebacker would be close if not for Tommy Eichenberg and Steel Chambers both returning for the Buckeyes, and then Cody Simon and C.J. Hicks will be backups that honestly could serve as great starters at any Power 5 school. Cody Simon's strength is tackling. C.J. Hicks is just five-star out of high school, raw talent, fast, athletic. It'll be exciting to see him on the field this season. Special teams, though, going back most importantly to Jalen Lucas. Jalen Lucas looks to be the second-string running back behind Josh Henderson, so Indiana has an underrated running back room in my mind. Jalen Lucas last year was the Big Ten returner of the year, and he had 271 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, and he averaged 5.5 yards per carry. He had 22 returns on kickoffs for 592 yards, 91 yards, pardon me, with two rushing touchdowns, and he had a long return of 93. He's an impressive player. He's fast. He's 5'9", 170, definitely a smaller, faster type of running back. And I'm excited to see how him and Josh Henderson perform. But from a special team standpoint, I think Indiana would be close to Ohio State there. I just have confidence more in Ohio State's kicking room. And also, Emeka Igbuka is going to be back returning punts for Ohio State this season. The special teams, speaking of the hot seat talk earlier, if special teams coach Parker Fleming doesn't have a good unit this year for Ohio State, and it once again causes issues in the return game or punt or kickoff coverage... I could see him losing his job after this year. That's even if Ohio State has a successful year. If the special teams are bad enough and Ohio State doesn't win the national title, even if they improve, I could see changes being made there. For staff, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, defensive line, and defensive back, Ohio State is definitely a few miles ahead of Indiana. Ryan Day returns as head coach. Justin Fry's offensive line is going to be in their second year of learning his power run game style. Brian Hartline and Ryan Day will collaborate on offensive play calling. Um, I think that's a wise move to let Hartline grow into the position, of course. And I think that the wide receivers will still be good. Obviously, Hartline's recruiting and developing well there. On defense, something important to note is Jim Knowles' system will be in year two. And with Ohio State returning the likes of JT Tuimolau, Michael Hall, Ty Hamilton, Tyleek Williams, Jack Sawyer, Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, Denzel Burke, Lathan Ransom, Josh Proctor, Jordan Hancock, Cameron Martinez, all of these players started or played significant time last season. So a lot of Ohio State's defensive production is back, I think the defense is destined to take a big step forward this season. 
And for Indiana, I have a hard time seeing how their offense is going to get through Ohio State's defense with just how bad their trench play is. Ohio State returns, again, Michael Hall, Jack Sawyer, JT Tuimolau, who all had three and a half sacks or more last year. Hall and Sawyer had four and a half each. Tuimolau had three and a half. Eichenberg had two and a half sacks. And Steel Chambers and Cody Simon had two. A large portion of Ohio State's pass rush is returning. Outside of Javante Jean-Baptiste, who's with Notre Dame now, and Zach Harrison, who left for the NFL, and Jerron Cage as well, who ran out of eligibility, the majority of Ohio State's pass rush production, the 34 sacks they had last year, much of that comes back. And with a system that has now double the time of last year to be entrenched into these players' minds, into their muscle memory, and the the scheme, Jim Knowles learning from last year, the defense is going to be impressive. Also, Ohio State brings in three new defensive backs in Davis Enigmanos and Lorenzo Styles and Jihad Carter. So the secondary, which was a big weakness for Ohio State last year, I think might still be a weak link in the chain of the defense, but is going to be one of the strongest secondaries in the country. Offensive line is a concern too, and maybe this is an area where Indiana can cause Ohio State some problems with Andre Carter, for example, who's a great pass rusher. On offensive line, Ohio State between Josh Fryer, um, Tegra Shabaloa, George Fitzpatrick, and Josh Simmons, there's going to be rotations there, I expect, and it will take time for those new starters to grow into their positions. So Indiana maybe could get Kyle McCord flustered here and there, but Ohio State's offensive line, especially on the interior with center Carson Hinsman and guards Donovan Jackson and Matthew Jones, is going to be great. At running back, Ohio State returns Mayan Williams, who had over 800 rushing yards and over 10 rushing touchdowns last year. I expect him to be running back number one, though Henderson is going to have a resurgent season, and he's going to break over 1,000 yards this year in my mind. And I think you'll see him back at full health, and you'll know he's at full health in this game and in future games. We don't even need to talk about Ohio State returning Emeka Igbuka and Marvin Harrison Jr., who are 1,000-yard receivers. And Cade Stover in the tight end room have not been talked about too much, but I have a feeling that there have been some improvements made in that room. There are athletes there, Cade Stover, Joe Royer, G. Scott, and then there's another tight end whose name escapes me, but very athletic guy, freak athlete. I'm excited to see him probably in 2024, if not 2025. Ohio State definitely has a huge position advantage here at every spot on the field. For Indiana, though, do not overlook this team. Like I said in my Michigan-East Carolina preview, do not overlook any team. And the reason I haven't stressed that as much here is road game against a Big Ten opponent, even if it's Indiana, I think you're less likely to overlook that matchup than you are hosting a group of five school in your own home stadium. But for Indiana, they return playmakers, especially on defense. I think their defensive line and linebacker core will be very respectable. Aaron Casey comes back, 
85 total tackles. He led the team in total tackles, and he had one and a half sacks, two passes defended, and two forced fumbles. And also, we cannot forget as well Noah Pierre, who had three sacks, 39 tackles, three passes defended, three forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. Pierre has grown with the team, and he's been with the team for quite some time. I think he's a sixth-year senior, 5'11", 180 pounds. I think that there's a a possibility that Indiana can develop some pass rush combinations and some blitzes that could throw Kyle McCord and the line in for a loop. A possibility, not a prediction, though. Who are some players to pay attention to? It may be cliche, but for me, it's week one, so I'm looking at new players, guys who I'm unfamiliar with, and that would be Kyle McCord and Taven Jackson. As the season progresses, it will be less quarterback, unless it's a game where I think there's, let's say, Michigan faces off against Ohio State again, and Ohio State's front seven is really good. They're amazing at shutting down the run, but their secondary stinks again, or at least is below average or average. In that case, then J.J. McCarthy would be a player to watch because I think there's a huge chance for him to exploit that defense in that scenario, which I don't think will happen because I think Ohio State's secondary will be great near elite or elite this season. By the way, the game is going to be very entertaining this year, but that's far down the line, and we don't know that for sure. It could be a 10-1 and versus 10-1 and or 10-1 and versus 9-2 and game. Who knows, but I think it will be 11-0. Kyle McCord is new. This is his second career start. First start with no anticipation of a guy replacing him the following week. And Taven Jackson, this is his first start. Taven Jackson at Indiana, he was he came in from Tennessee, transferred in from Tennessee, where he was going to be the third stringer behind Nico Iamaliva, most likely, and definitely behind Joe Milton. He has only had 37 career passing yards, three completions, four passing attempts, taken one sack, 152.7 passer rating, and he's had four carries for 10 rushing yards and a lone rushing touchdown. That being against Akron, where he got the majority of his playing time. So, very inexperienced, 6'3", 215 pounds, rated as a four-star out of high school, I do believe, and also in the transfer portal rankings. Definitely has talent, He'll be a better quarterback for Indiana, I think, than Dexter Williams was last year. Dexter Williams almost being more of a running back than a quarterback, just from his style of play and how Tom Allen and Walt Bell used him. I don't know if it'll be an upgrade from Connor Bazelak, but Bazelak was thrown into the turf so many times last year. You felt bad for the, for the, the quarterback. So... New player for Indiana, I can't talk much about Taven Jackson because there's just so much unknown, and he is, I think, a red, yeah, a redshirt freshman. So not as much to talk about in regards to him. However, for Kyle McCord, this is interesting. I think if Taven Jackson starts, and he will, he is the starter, I don't think there's a quarterback who's comparable that could replace him, in my mind. I, I don't think that would be the case. Because Dexter Williams, again, the arm talent, accuracy, 
very questionable. You can see by how the staff uses him that they need someone like Taven Jackson or a, a much more talented passer to come in at quarterback. So his job is somewhat safe, I would say. Safe as long as he doesn't get pounded into the turf because his offensive line stinks. Kyle McCord, on the other hand, I have the belief that if he gets injured or he isn't playing well, Devin Brown can substitute in for him and there won't be many changes. In fact, Brown arguably has a higher upside because he can use his legs much more efficiently and effectively than McCord can. But McCord has the experience. I think McCord at this point is likely the better passer, and I think he's more consistent. And I think that's why Ryan Day gave him the starting quarterback job, as he puts Ohio State in the best position to win. We'll see, though, if Ryan Day and his staff are still confident in that decision against Indiana. That will be one. Number two is how does he perform overall, which of course relates to number one, but Maybe even if McCord has a great game, maybe the staff will put in Devin Brown to see how he performs and get him some playing time, since he's already redshirted. So, who knows? I would say that McCord will have, in my mind, at least a good game. He, of course, could have that off game, but it's an Ohio State quarterback, McCord is, and Ohio State's favored by 30 points. And McCord, by the way, in 2022, McCord had 190 passing yards, one touchdown, a 176 passer rating, and a QBR that was comparable to J.J. McCarthy's. And then in 2021, he had two passing touchdowns, two interceptions, and he threw for 416 yards. Of course, the majority of those came in a game against Akron, where he went 13 of 18 for 319 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick and he had a 246.6 passer rating. Yes, it was against Akron, Akron being a terrible team in 21 and also in 22, but an impressive statistic nonetheless. And he has wide receivers to throw the ball to. So I think that he'll have a great game, and Taven Jackson, I'd say, will probably have a better showing or a better performance against Ohio State than Dexter Williams did last year, certainly as a passing quarterback. My prediction, as you probably already expected, is a blowout. 56-7 to is my prediction. Ohio State will run through Indiana. They'll pass all over Indiana. I think they'll have over 500 yards of total offense with 300 or more passing yards and 200 or more rushing yards. I expect Williams and Henderson to get about equal amounts of carries, though I think with Indiana's stout defense, specifically front seven, it would be more advantageous of Ohio State to use Mayan Williams, who I think is more of a bruising back and knows how to carry the pile forward. Henderson will probably have a big run or two. Outside of that, I think Indiana's defense will be able to limit him, especially if he runs on the inside of the offensive line. Mayan Williams won't have the same explosiveness, but he's more reliable and I think you're going to see him do very well up the middle and also on the outside too as well because Williams does have momentum and speed to him. Marvin Harrison Jr. will have a great game. I don't know if it will be competitive at the beginning for a quarter or not, but for sure by halftime Ohio State will have a sizable lead. By the end of the game, it'll be 
a blowout. And it might be a blowout at halftime or even a blowout in the first quarter. I think this Ohio State team is really good. There's just the possibility that with a new starting quarterback and look with Indiana's defense having some competent pass rushers and traditionally a staunch defense, there is a chance that Ohio State's offense might run into some problems in the first quarter. But after that, Ohio State will have it all figured out. McCord will shine his 2023 starting quarterback in this game. He'll throw for multiple touchdown passes. Marvin Harrison Jr., Emeka Egbuka, and Cade Stover will each have a touchdown reception. That's my prediction for Ohio State. Indiana, on the other hand, is going to be disorganized, and they'll have depleted depth. It will be hard for Tom Allen to bounce back from this loss, as Indiana's schedule is one of the toughest in America which is the case year after year. However, this year it's especially so, because not only do they have a tough Big Ten schedule, but in the non-conference they play Louisville at a neutral site. Louisville will be a middle-of-the-road ACC team, probably below average or average Power 5 team, but they'll be better than Indiana. And they only have Indiana State after an Ohio State blowout to prepare for Louisville. And then after Louisville, they play Akron, which Joe Moorhead, I think, is going to have Akron much better this year than last year. And then back-to-back road games at Maryland and Michigan. And from there, Rutgers, Penn State, Wisconsin, Illinois, Michigan State, and Purdue. I don't see how Tom Allen survives 2023. I don't. Period. Amen. I think Indiana will be in the market for a new head coach in 2024. That is it would, and it would in fact surprise me if they kept Tom Allen after this season. I think Indiana, through subtraction in the transfer portal and the fact that transfer portal additions often take time to build chemistry, and they have a tough schedule, they are far less talented than almost anyone in their division or conference to begin with. I think that Indiana is almost destined to regress compared to 2022. But maybe I'm wrong, and Saturday's game will tell us whether... It'll give us at least a hint as to whether I'm right or wrong, or tell us a lot. Week one, two, and three, even though a lot of these Big Ten teams are going to be facing cupcake games, Ohio State, for example, plays Youngstown State after this game, and I would say that they're largely going to be better than Indiana, so you could classify this as a cupcake game too. We're going to learn a lot about both the teams that will lose and win regardless if they are upsets or if they're the blowouts that we anticipate. Again, 56-7 to is my prediction. Ohio State will have easily more than 500 total yards. McCord may struggle for a quarter, probably more so because of his offensive tackle room than his play, but he'll kill it by the end and kill it in a good way. I mean, with those wide receivers and with the talent that he's shown us before, he will tear Indiana's secondary to shreds. Before we end this video, I want to give a quick shout out to my patrons. I update the patron list every week, so if your name isn't on here yet, do not worry. After week one, this list will be updated, and your name will be on here, and you will have recognition. Thank you to Spencer Bringhurst for being my all-American patron, and thank you to Will Loftus, Gabriel Callender, and Roaming Gnome for being my all-conference patrons. It means a lot to support the channel. Please check out my Patreon page in the description below if you haven't already. 
there is extra content depending on the tier that you join for Patreon subscribers. Thank you so much for watching this video. Like and subscribe if you haven't already and hit the notification bell so you can get notified when I post more college football content. I'm so excited to watch every Big Ten team play this weekend, especially Michigan, Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, and Thursday night's anticipated matchup by Minnesota hosting Nebraska. Thank you for watching, and I'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.